0: Welcome to the 71st episode of the Real Life Diabetes Podcast with today's guest whose positive diagnosis experience shaped her career, Dr. Jody Stanislaw. If you're new to the show, my name is Amber Kluwer and I'm the co-founder of the Diabetes Daily Grind and host of the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. I've been living with type 1 diabetes for about 36 years or so and enjoy sharing my story and those of others who are living their best life. This show is unscripted, an authentic conversation with those affected by diabetes and their families. I hope each episode brightens your day, makes you laugh, and reminds you, you are not alone. A few weeks ago, I connected with another T1D who literally just embarked on the 12-month remote year adventure. She was a ton of fun to interview, and her no-nonsense attitude and ability to laugh at what life throws at you is inspiring. In this episode, we share lessons learned and question, seriously question, how much insulin we packed in our earlier years while traveling abroad. I am living vicariously through Jodi and intend to meet her in person at some point on her epic overseas journey. Hmm. But before we get started, I have a few quick announcements. I am excited to introduce the newest real-life diabetes podcast advertiser, InPen, the only FDA-approved smart insulin pen and app system. Five years ago, Companion Medical identified a hugely unmet need after discovering that only 7% of insulin users tapped into pump therapy. Their integrated diabetes management ecosystem includes a smart insulin pin that automatically sends your dose to an app on your smartphone, tracking insulin on board and providing a dose calculator, which can help avoid stacking while calculating more accurate doses. The n is hassle-free, has a clean design, no recharging, no downloading. Everything is done automatically, making life with diabetes and multiple daily injections a lot easier. As someone who has never tapped into insulin pump therapy, I am ecstatic to discover n It will be the next tool in my diabetes management tool belt, allowing me to give multiple daily injections with confidence. You can find more information about n at companionmedical.com and links will be provided in the show notes. Number two. Do you have a diabetes hack you'd like to share? For example, have you ever embarrassed yourself when your blood sugar was out of whack? I mean, everybody has a story there. Or has your CGM alarm gone off at the worst possible time? If you have something you'd like to share anonymously, feel free to send me a speak pipe message on the Diabetes Daily Grind website or a voice memo to amber at diabetesdailygrind.com. Let's hear today's hack. Let's
1: hear today's hack. Hey out there. A couple of quick diabetes hacks or tricks for you. I have had type 1 diabetes for over 20 years, and I always hate thinking about diabetes as a disability. But as I have gotten older, I've appreciated a deal and a couple of things that I have done because I have type 1. Uh, The first is I spent $10 on a processing fee for my national parks pass and I saved over $150 on camping, campsite fees, and entry fees to four national parks this summer. It took minimal time to get the pass back, so definitely utilize that service because of your Type 1. Uh, The other thing that I did was get a Schedule A disability letter from my physician, which enabled me to skip the queue, if you will, when I was applying for federal jobs. So people with Schedule A disabilities, uh, if you don't know this, are very easy to hire within the federal jobs market, so you, when you're applying for jobs on USA Jobs, you post that Schedule A letter in your profile and you select that box when you're submitting your applications. And you're usually on probation for about a year, but then you're just, you're like a regular employee. So again, it doesn't feel like we get to skip the queue very often with diabetes. And those are a couple of things that I've done that have made my life easier and more, more full. Hope it helps. Number three,
0: Patreon platform people, you, your company, your cat, your sock, or whomever can sign up to help keep the episodes coming. It is easy, 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 and costs as little as $5 per month. And let's be honest, that's cheaper than a grande pumpkin spice latte you shouldn't be drinking. (laughs) Just kidding, drink what you want. Number four, I'm off to the Diabetes Mind Innovation Summit and will be hanging out in San Francisco, November 5th through the 9th, 2019, just in case you're listening to this at another time. You know, I love to connect with my diet peeps. So please hit me up. If you live in the area, you know how to find me. Please continue to love, like, and share and comment. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and LinkedIn. It's easy to find me and to stay informed. So I think that wraps up today's episode announcements. Let's get started. Well, let's start with the fact that I want the listeners to know. So, I'm sitting here in my home in Oklahoma City, and where am I reaching you? I Croatia. That's right. Yeah, and so I'm hoping that audio will work as as I would like it to. Um, this is only the second interview I've ever done with anyone uh, who lives out of the country, and I think that was actually in Australia. So, positive vibes that the uh, international gods are in our favor.
2: Oh, no, I'm not worried about it. I've been doing lots of stuff, talking to people.
0: Why don't you tell me a little bit about your diagnosis story?
2: So I was, and I was seven years old. I was in Seattle, and uh, my mom took me to the doctor. I peed in a cup. It was full of sugar, right? So I got taken right to the hospital. And back then, I mean, I stayed in, at Seattle Children's Hospital for days. I mean, I felt so lucky. And I had... A fun. I mean, that that <laughs> hospital is a great hospital, and it's, and it's still an award-winning children's hospital today. And, you know, I had cable on my bed, and nobody <laughs> even had cable at home. And right. I just had so much fun. I was playing in the elevators in the arts and crafts room. And, and so I just remember that that's the day that my dream to become a doctor was born. I just was thought, gosh, I want to help people because this is fun. You and know, that's think, what I want to
0: do. Well, and I think it's so funny because I would say that 99.9% of the experiences in in a hospital period, especially for someone who's as a child being diagnosed with type one, your experience was, was very different from the rest of us, which... I mean, it was so long ago. And I have to say too, about my personal journey, whenever I was diagnosed, I did enjoy my time in the hospital for the most part, because the nurses were kind and they let me skate. And I was there for, I think 10 days or two weeks. I mean, I still had to learn how to give a shot and all that. So what about that experience as a whole, that what brought you joy through that?
2: Well, I guess the one shot in the morning didn't really bug me. (laughs) I didn't really, you know, as a seven year old, I couldn't really grasp the the depth of what was, you know, the gravity, if you will, of what was really happening. You know, I just, I got, to stay in this cool place that had like paintings on the walls in the art room and but I had to get a shot in the morning that's all I mean I was told you know you have to do a shot now and I was like okay you had to pee in a cup there was no finger poking or pumps or you know it was like one shot a day or something I was out on MPH and who knows what crazy combo but it it just didn't seem like a big deal it just you know that's that's what brought me joy.
0: That is is so rare, Um, and I'm not trying to date you or anything, but I work (laughs) close in age, and I've had diabetes, I think, as long, so how long have you had diabetes?
2: It'll be 40 years. I'll be 46 six or seven. I'm not sure. Yeah. So I've had it for almost 40 years.
0: Are you going to do anything special to celebrate? Well, you know, I'm living around the world right now, (laughs) living in a new
2: country every month. So let me look up where I'll be in June.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think that's awesome. Um, Let's see. June,
2: I will be in Santiago. So I'll do something special in Santiago, I guess.
0: (laughs) I think that's great. Now, do you remember your actual diagnosis date?
2: Oh yeah. It was like June 15th.
0: Okay. And a lot of people do, and I'm just like, how did, I mean, it was such a day in history for me, you know, I could ramble it off at any point when I was younger, but anywho, okay, so positive experience, loved it, and so inspired you to want to be in the medical community. Anything, did you think right off the bat, like, I want to be an endocrinologist, or was it just, I want to be a doctor, period?
2: No, that really came just, you know, in the past 10 years. I just wanted to, I just was fascinated by science and the body and helping people, I really didn't focus in on type one until seven years ago or so when I started my online consulting business.
0: Right. And isn't it funny? I mean, having it for so long that you really, I never thought about it or talked about it. So just writing my story from the very beginning, I was like, wow, I, you know, it's just so different. Um, So, growing up with diabetes over the decades, do you have any fun stories of your younger years?
2: Well, camp. I love camp. Camp was awesome. Um, Always did the diabetes bike-a-thon.
0: Right. Did you know anybody else with diabetes besides the people at camp? No, no,
2: I didn't. There was, uh, I think there was like maybe two guys at my high school, but I never had any friends with type one except at summer
0: camp. Were you athletic or did you, you know, what, what was, and I only asked because like I was in cheer and dance and everything. And yeah, I mean, I was able to do everything I wanted. So were you active in those years? Yes.
2: Yeah, I played soccer for 10 years. I water skied, I snow skied. And of course, back then, I just had to stuff my face with food all the time because (laughs) I didn't know about insulin on board. I didn't know about eating low carb. I didn't know about how to set my basal rate. I mean, now I'm so grateful. I can, you know, I can exercise and I don't have to eat anything and I don't worry about a low. And that's, you know, one of my favorite things to teach my patients now. But, you know, I would just eat all the time.
0: (laughs) So and and reading a little bit about your story. So, I mean, I, was given... I did two shots a day before breakfast and before dinner. It was the same dose every time. My family and the way that I was taught at Children's Hospital was, you know, no sugars. Um, They didn't really talk about, from what I remember, like concentrated carbs. It was more just like, you know, no Snickers, no cake, nothing sweet like that. Mm. And so I kind of like you, reading that you were... You did everything that was asked of you. You were compliant.
2: I, I was. I was until I started... Yeah, I don't remember diabetes. I'm very grateful to my parents because they never made me feel like there was something sad or bad about what I had. You know, they just made me feel very special and I loved feeling really special, but definitely started sneaking food probably after about four or five years of having type one, probably when I was around 10, 11, 12, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I started rebelling, but silently because I still wanted to please everybody on the, on the outside. I mean, I just remember I was obsessed with wanting to have sugar because I think, you know, it was such a big no that any time a child is told no. And so whenever I'd go to a friend's house for a sleepover, I would... Raid their freezer for the ice cream. I knew where their <laughs> cookies were, and I have no idea how I managed the highs I got after that. Then you know it turned into an eating disorder, and I don't know how much you want me to go into that. You but can
0: talk about it. Yeah, this is it, the, if um, you want to share it. I mean, that's a very personal story.
2: Yeah, no, I don't. I don't mind. I don't mind. I I just started binging a lot, and my how I grew up is on the exchange diet. So mm-hmm. I was told I had you know I could have one fruit, one starch, one milk at breakfast. Maybe one fruit, two starches, one milk at lunch and then dinner was the same. You know, if you wanted to have sugar, you'd have to just eliminate your starch exchanges and then you could have a sugar exchange instead. Right. Um, So it was just like this ridiculous, very, very strict, I mean, it was like, you know, exact same timing because of course back then the insulins, you know, took so many hours to work. You'd have to do your dinner shot like at lunchtime practically. Yeah. And so there's just, we weren't taught any flexibility. There was no flexibility. So I don't know how I managed. We weren't even taught how to change your insulin dose. Right. So, you know, I must have had horrendous highs for years. I, yeah, I started kind of binging and sneaking food at 12 and then it wasn't until literally my 20s that I went to an eating disorder rehab center. Mm -hmm. It just became such an obsession and there's just, you know, emotional causes behind it as well. There's a lot of pressure to be thin in my family. Food can be so comforting when you're feeling stressed out and lonely. Yeah. There's the rebellion, so I feel like I had three major kind of forces: that the rebellion with diabetes, the pressure to be thin, the wanting food for comfort. You know, it's just like it was just such a tornado of emotions, if you will. And I, you know, I never was able to grow up with like, oh, are you hungry, Jody? Well, what do you want to eat? It's like, <laughs> right. those are two questions that never got asked, right? Never. Right.
0: And so what, how did you flip the switch on that? Like, what was the breaking point where you're like, this is something's got to change here?
2: Well, I'd like to say there was a switch that was flipped. It was more like decades of therapy and decades of 12 step meetings. And, but to be honest, probably 10 years ago, I think the most wonderful, loving, spiritual influence in my life is actually my aunt Mary, my mom's sister. And she's a spiritual teacher and she writes books, Mary O'Malley.com. She's amazing. And I was still binging and I hated myself. I was so embarrassed. I'm like, I'm trying to be this perfect doctor and this perfect person because I thought perfect was such a way to be in life. And I like, and I can't stop binging. I mean, there was just this force that I would just get, it was like a drug addict. Like I needed my drug and I, I, I wouldn't even be able to talk myself out of it. And I, she is the first one that ever said, you know, why don't you just practice loving yourself right now? as you are and that concept was so foreign to me because I thought I had to do everything perfect be right. okay yeah. and it was a life-changing concept that I still just am so grateful to know now this it was basically the first chip of my wall of perfection that i had put around myself it was the first like break breaking free of that trap of like you know what you can actually be a decent person and not have all of your blank blip Together, you know, and that so her telling me that was the first time I ever was like, you know what, I am a good person. I am doing a really good job as much as I can managing this and my life. And I have this eating problem. And it was the first time I could take a deep breath and not hate myself. And in deeply embracing that concept more and more and more is finally what allowed me to ironically not be lost in that way of thinking and acting and
0: eating. It's, you know, it seems like such a simple thing. And I read about this recently. Well, in the past, I'd say year, you know, I attended a, it's a wellness retreat, essentially a, a, mental health wellness retreat hosted by the green shoe foundation. And going into that, I didn't know what I was going into, but I never thought that diabetes would be the thing that was my demon and the thing that I needed to address mm-hmm. and how freeing it was to come to that conclusion because just like you were saying I mean I, I always wanted to be perfect I had to do everything right and all these things and never really putting it together that diabetes was the root of all that so I'm glad and you know that was it's taken me eight years to you know really talk about this and and so I'm glad even like for both of us living it with it for so long at least we figured that out and loving yourself is the key and it's just it's, it's nice to, to be able to say that so okay you're not out of high school, you're in college. I always laugh and I know Ryan, my past partner, we would joke around just the crazy things. You wanted to be a normal college student and life for us is very different. So how are your college years? Did you do okay?
2: (laughs) Well, I drank too much my freshman year and then didn't drink for a decade after that. So, and I don't really remember like, I think, oh, you know what, this is, the college was pretty amazing because, you know, I finally was like, you know what, I can't do this exchange diet thing anymore. I'm going to start experimenting on myself.
0: Right. Dear. And
2: back then in 1990, they were still teaching the exchange diet. Like the whole one unit for 15 grams of carb thing, I actually figured out by myself. <laughs> because I started going, okay, well, let me think. I mean, this is radical. I mean, ever it's like it's like no duh. Now it's not a big deal, <laughs> but this was radical for me to be like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna start experimenting with myself. I bet if I take a little bit more insulin for this, I could eat this. But if I take less, I could like not eat that. And you know, I mean, it was just completely me in my own little petri dish of right. my life. And I was I said Go, stop going to the endo because I just thought it was a waste of time. I just would always ask really intense questions and. They'd wouldn't answer and I just I don't know why I keep going. So I hadn't gone for like two years practically. And I remember I was like, oh my gosh, I figured out that I can adjust my insulin by one unit for like every 15 grams of carb I eat. And it was like, you know, I felt like I should win the Nobel Peace Prize for this. <laughs> and I went in and I told them what I discovered. And, you know, I hadn't gone for a couple of years. And the doctor's response was like, oh yeah, that's what we teach patients now. Uh. But here's, here's a big thing is I, you know, my whole life growing up playing soccer, being a competitive gymnast, water skiing all this stuff and I always would have practice in the afternoon but then when I go to college I'm like wow I could work out whenever I want I could work out in the morning and so I had already planned I needed like 15 grams of carb every 15 minutes so I was you know I was constantly eating so many carbs I mean 60 grams of carb every hour and I ate my 60 grams of carb before my 6 a.m workout class and then I finished the class and I was like 350 I was like "What? (laughs) what 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 that's not that's not how this works and i don't know how many months or if it was the whole freshman year that i actually had to unlearn I was like, huh, that's weird. And I, you know, I ate 60 grams again the next day and ate 60 grams again the next day because I kept thinking, oh, I must be getting sick. Or, you know, I was like, well, that's weird. I guess, I don't know. I mean, could I eat 45 grams? Does my body change? Do I not need as many carbs anymore? But then I was only 250. And I was like, huh, could I actually eat only 30 grams of carb? And then I was like 200. And here I am, like, my eyes are wide open. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I've been stuffing my face quite angry about it, to be honest, for a decade and suddenly, I just did a class night, fifteen grams of carb, and I was had the next thought: I was like maybe I don't need to eat anything. Yeah. And I ate nothing, and I was like one twenty when I was done. And I was like so elated and so mad at the same time. I was like, "What is going on?" And why didn't I learn this a decade ago? So I go to my doctor, and I'm like, "What is going on?" And he tapped me on my knee, and he was like, "Oh, you know, it's too difficult for you to understand." you know, I can't explain it to you, which I know means he didn't know. He didn't know why I could exercise in the morning and not eat anything. He didn't know why I'm convinced of that. And now I completely get it. I hadn't taken a breakfast shot yet. I'd taken barely, I'd taken no insulin in the morning. And that is like, this is like the most favorite thing that I teach my patients. Cause I, you know, I have my telemedicine practice with patients all around the world. I get to talk to patients all around the world. And I, This is my most favorite thing to teach them. I'm like, you guys, the less insulin you have in your body, the less likely you'll go low. Our insulin that makes us go low, nothing else. If you don't have too much, I mean, of course, we have to have insulin because we can't have no insulin in the body or else we'll go into DKA. But like, I get it now. Like, as long as I don't have very much insulin on my body, I can work out for an hour and not eat anything and not go low. And like, every time I tell a patient that I want to like, I'm like, no, no, no. Did you get this? Like, this is, it was earth shattering to me when I learned that. I was elated that I figured out how to do
0: that. Well, good for you. I mean, and you know, I think that with, for many of us, I did what the doctors told me to do. I never even thought that I could adjust something myself until I was an adult. And I was just Mm -hmm. like, wow, this is not right. And you know, whatever. And finally it's like, and it's not about not being compliant. It's about knowing your body because as we talk about, we're all diagnosed with the same damn disease, but how our bodies react to it is everybody's different. Yep. Well, um, okay, so you graduate from college, and did you date in college?
2: (laughs) That's a funny question. Um, No, I didn't, because since I was sober, anybody that drank I thought was immature, so (laughs) I, I didn't even have a boyfriend. For a very long time, you didn't so, no, miss
0: anything. Didn't, you didn't miss anything. This was right. I, <laughs> I
2: feel like I was born with a very mature soul, and then diabetes made me that much more mature. I hear you. And I just felt like I can't relate to all you just immature people. <laughs> like I don't know. I love being the sober person, and I love the responsibility I had. I love that I could come and go as I please. I love that I could drive my car. I love that I didn't get fat from too much alcohol. I love that right. I didn't waste money on it. I love that I woke up the next morning, went to the gym, and everybody's like over. Like I had like got a high off of like being the sober girl and yet I didn't date anybody because I don't think anybody could relate to me, but.
0: <laughs> well, that's a good way of putting it too. I think for those younger years, there's the way that you, how you just said that, um, maybe that'll resonate with someone that, you know, is going into those years.
2: Yeah. 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 Like be the cool non-drinker.
0: <laughs> was, oh. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> okay so well you graduate from college and what kind of career did you jump into you you originally said you were going to be pre-med so what did you study and what did you end up doing Well
2: I drank too much my freshman year I dropped out and you pretty much have to have four straight years of pre-med classes so I was already like oh goodness that didn't help my pre-med plan <laughs> so then junior year I went to a smaller school outside of Seattle I mean sorry sophomore year I was like, okay, I got to I gotta get out of that big drinking school and go to a smaller focus school. And so I did the smaller school, and I was so bored by the end. I was like, okay, I can't do small schools. Yeah, I went from a school of like 50,000 to 3,000. Oh. And um, I was like, I can't do this. And so then my junior year, I decided to go study abroad. And that was the year that I was like, well... If you're really going to go study abroad, Jody, that means you're never going to be a doctor because you're never going to get your pre-meds done now if you take a whole year of, like, studying, you know, Italian art history and <laughs> European business. So I came back my senior year, and I just got a business degree because I thought, well, everybody needs business smarts. Yeah. But when I graduated, it terrified me because I'd spent 20 years of my life planning on being a doctor, 10 years or whatever it is, and then I thought... I can't sit at a desk. That's the only thing I could think of. What you do with a business degree is you sit at a desk. That's all I could think of. And so I traveled. I backpacked around Australia and New Zealand by myself for six months. I moved back to Italy. I waited tables in Italy for three months. I don't even remember what I did with all my supplies. I I was just going to ask,
0: like, how did I don't even
2: remember. I have no idea. I I must have just gotten insulin. In Australia, because I'm quite certain I didn't travel with six months of insulin, even though this year, I mean, I'm I'm not going to be back to the States for a year. I, ha- I literally have a year's worth of insulin in the fridge, and I'm just going to keep praying that it, if the potency stays strong, and terrible. of course, you know, there's insulin in every country I go to. I just don't have to figure out how to deal with it. but. Um, yeah, I have a year's worth of insulin with me. I have, a, 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 well, six months worth of CGM Dexcom supplies with me because I couldn't fit a year's worth in my <laughs> 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 But But um, yeah, so, I, so then I finally came back from trying to run from reality. And, and I thought, well, maybe I'll just be a pharmaceutical rep for Eli Lilly. And that's what I did. So I thought, well, I could just sell insulin and... Skip being, skip going to med school. But for the next five years, I worked for Lilly for three years. And then I sold insulin pumps for two years. And within six months of my Eli Lilly job, I was like, I- I'm never going to be a sales rep. I have to be a doctor. So I started taking night classes. And I took night classes for the next five years. Wow. Finished my pre-meds. Quit pump cells when I was 30. And then I was full-time med student from the age of 30 to 35. Going to the holistic medical school that I went to really got me into eating a much healthier diet. Right. Um, I'm definitely into lower carb now. And I take some supplements that definitely allow me to take less insulin. You know, there's so much to be said for holistic medicine. You know, I am I love exercise. I love getting sleep. I love vegetables. Um, I feel very lucky that that I love all those things because with type one, you know, having crazy blood sugar levels takes a toll on your body. I mean, we we need to take the best care that we can. And I I frankly think I'm, I take better care of my body than most of my friends. Diabetes or not,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because I'm so motivated to do so, actually more so than that. You know, now I see a cookie jar and I think, Oh my God, that just looks like a headache. I mean, I know it's just stress and headache and, and, um, you know, nobody else. I mean, I don't know what other
0: non-diabetic people think. but With the, the headache situation, like when my friends, and you know, no offense to anybody, but they're like, oh, don't you want that piece of cake? And I was like, I can eat this piece of cake if I chose to. All I'd have to do is give insulin, but it, yeah. I don't feel good. And I'd no. rather feel good. So that's never been a real craving for me or because I don't want the headache. Yeah. Period. Well, now,
2: I mean, my perfectionist loves Dexcom and she loves seeing a straight line. So she'll do anything to get that line straight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then aren't it's there- like a constant a constant report card in my pocket
0: (laughs) well and do you ever look at that straight line because i like the other morning i woke up and it was like my line had been straight all night i'm like oh my gosh this is awesome you know it's like i did nothing yeah yeah no
2: it's like people don't get it it's like look at that straight line can bring as much joy as like watching the sunset over the ocean it's like oh my god look at this line it's so beautiful like people have no idea oh my god this line look at this line i'll show people and i'll try to have them figure out why I'm so
0: excited and they kind of look at me and just kind of nod their head. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that's good. Good job. Yeah. I mean, I I want to go back to, especially that your travel years when you were in college and like you were saying, you don't remember like what, but did you have any, I mean, I only had one bad experience and I had to go to the hospital, but I had the flu. It wasn't because of diabetes necessarily. Did you Uh have any, I'm going to say scares. I don't like those words, but anything that in another country you'd be Um, nervous about?
2: I drank way too much one night and ended up in the ER, and I don't know how I got through that night, to be honest. I, I really don't know how. I don't know if they knew I had diabetes. I don't even remember how I got through that night. Maybe checking the blood sugar level is standard in the ER. I have no idea, but I... Um, what country was this? This was, this was in Colorado. This oh, was my okay, freshman okay. year in college. Yeah. I hadn't left the country yet. Yeah. No, nothing. I have no stories for you about being in Italy or Australia, like... That's good. Nothing, I don't know, nothing happened. But the only major kind of like specifically diabetes-related ER emergence I had was when I was wearing a pump. This I don't know, I wore a pump for probably five or ten years. But this is one of the many reasons I'm not wearing a pump anymore. So I was into running half marathons. And I had just run a half marathon that day. And, of course, was going to eat pasta and chocolate cake and whatever the heck I wanted after, which I did but then i start feeling sick and i'm thinking well of course i feel sick i'm dehydrated i'm high i just ran too you know i just ran for hours and i just thought okay i've got to leave this dinner and i have got to go home and just drink a lot of water and lay down so i'm living alone i go home i'm sitting at home and i'm like wow this is this is a pretty bad high headache i mean i knew i'd be high but anyways, DKA takes in, I'm like on the floor, I'm mm-hmm. sweating. I'm like so hot. I'm like, oh my God, what's happening? All my muscles start cramping. I'm on the floor because the tiles are cold and I'm sweating and I'm so hot. And you know, I keep justifying like, is this just dehydration? Like right. I'm just massively dehydrated. Like what is going on? So then I crawled the phone and call 911 and they come and pick me up. And I, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I just need an IV. I'm just massively dehydrated. I ran today. I'm high. But then, of course, they're like, what's this? I'm like, oh, this is my insulin pump. The entire tubing was air. Oh. So I ate all of that, no insulin, total DKA. You know, like I was, I was in a full-on DKA. And
0: like so, from point, okay, from wh- how long had you not had any insulin, would you say?
2: I have no idea. <clears throat> no wow. idea. But several hours, obviously. And I never thought to check, is my pump delivering insulin? Right. You know, I just expected to be high because I'd had so many carbs. But I just didn't, you know, I don't know if running for several hours, you know, jostled the pump too much and I got air in my tubing. You know, that's my assumption. Right. And, you know, I, I know people love their pumps and I, hey, great. That's great. I'm glad you love your pump. I love not having a pump on my body and... My A1C is like anywhere from 5.5 to to 6.2. So I don't need to improve anything, in my opinion. And I love the simplicity of needle.
0: You know, I was just at the state capitol yesterday and there was a presentation by an endocrinologist. One of the graphs that they were showing was the difference between someone that's just an MDI, a person that's an MDI and has a CGM, a person with a CGM and a pump. And it was crazy. It also showed, okay, so it talked about A1Cs, but then it went into the use of pumps during what age brackets. And I think that from what I understood, and if I can find those slides, I'll include them in the show notes, but our age, like anywhere from 35 and up-ish until like 60, people are going back to MDI. It's... the Yeah. I mean, and I can understand the younger years because maybe it's easier to control on a child, but it was... I was really... Because I feel like, you know, I get made fun of for, I've never even held a pump in my hand. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I've always been MDI, and, and my A1C is good as well. So I feel like if I've mastered this, why try something new? Yeah. But then at the same time, I'm like, ah, oh, well, if I could improve, and this was the tool I needed, you know, it's just one of yeah. those, you figure out what works for you, I guess.
2: Yeah. I mean, I hate, there's lots of people that love the pump, and I say that's great. But to me, it's just like, there's so many things that we have to fiddle with and hassle with that, like, <laughs> I got to fiddle with supplies and, Insurance and oh, I'm run out. Oh, my tubing came out. Oh, I, I'm like oh my gosh. I just you know my shot has never caused me a problem.
0: Okay, so now do you? Because um, there's a lot on the, oh uh, social media and stuff about people complaining about giving a shot at the table or whatever. So do you remove yourself oh, yeah. or do you shoot up at the table?
2: Oh, I've never gotten. I've never gone out of my way ever. <laughs>
0: Right. I'm like, I always tell people, hey, I'm going to have to give a shot. If you don't like needles, don't look, but I'd, I'd like to eat, you know, or something. Yeah.
2: I, I mean, I've done it so quickly. Like, I, I'm traveling with this group of 30 people, 30 other people that can just work remotely. I'm still working every day. You know, I've talked to patients earlier today and, you know, because all I need is phone and internet do my job. And so there's like 30 of us that are traveling together for a year. There's yeah. this program that, you know, I'm on. And so I just met 30 new people two weeks ago. I was, you know, my year-long journey started two weeks ago. So... You know, I'm getting tons of questions about, oh, and they're like, well, how often do you have to take a shot? And I literally had just taken one when I was talking to her. And I was like, I just did one. And she goes, You did? I'm like, Yep. Because I, you know, do it in seconds. You do it at the table. Like, you don't even, you know, they think you're just putting your napkin on your lap or something. Like, (laughs) it's not even, or, you know, I kind of, generally always hold the needle like completely enwrapped wrapped in my hand. Yeah. So, you know, it's like I'm so fast. I'm so quick. I don't want to be, I don't want to offend anybody, but I also, you know, I think, you know, that big, article that came out when that you know I don't know it was a few months ago right when all this came into the headlines about that lady that complained you know I think the the replies were brilliant it's like well is it rude to use an EpiPen is it rude to have a wheelchair is it rude to have like an oxygen machine I I get the point that it's offensive I guess I mean I could see that I don't know about offensive I mean
0: maybe it makes somebody feel uncomfortable but I mean I want to say to those people walk one day in our shoes and you will never Say that again. I mean, she's yeah, yeah. ignorance, I guess. Um, okay, so let's go into <laughs> your your career. So you've taken, and this is one of the reasons I really wanted to interview you, is because you know I started the Diabetes Daily Grind and Real Life Diabetes podcast because I wanted to provide real support for people living with the disease, and I feel mm-hmm. like you mirror that same thought process with providing real support for your patients. So let's talk about how you shifted into. I'm not going to say this correctly. Natu- naturopathic? <laughs> <laughs> yes,
2: naturopathic. I'm a naturopathic doctor. So there's three medical schools in the country that give this doctorate in naturopathic medicine. I went to the one in Seattle there's one in Portland and then there's one in Arizona. Mm-hmm. You need a pre med degree to get a pre med undergrad to get in. It's a five year doctorate. I took all the same science and pathology. We took pharmacology, but we also took herbal medicine. We took nutritionist medicine. We took homeopathy and botanical medicine. And it's brilliant. And I basically, with all of the zigzags I did through my 20s, leading me away from med school. Mm-hmm. Part of that was because I really didn't like any MDs that I met. I mean, after my beautiful Seattle Children's Hospital experience, anybody after that, I was like, wow, I don't I don't know if I like you guys so much, and you guys don't right. seem that happy, and it seems really scary to go through med school, and, you know, a lot of money, and so I kind of was like, I don't know if I want to be part of that club, but then when I heard about this holistic medical school that just seemed like so much more up my alley of thoughtfulness and kindness, and that's when I was like, okay, this is where I'm going, so... It's, I mean, we're, tra- I'm trained as a general practice doctor. I took pediatrics, I took geriatrics, I took oncology, I took cardiology. And in 15 states in the U.S., we are seen as just a regular primary care doctor, one insurance plans. who write prescriptions. There's 35 states that don't recognize our degree, and that's because there's either pushback from the MDs yeah. or there's just no demand there. It's like, I've been in Idaho before I went on my trip around the world, and there's only like... 15 or 20 of us in the whole state of Idaho. So naturopathic doctors, that's why, you know, people can't even pronounce it, you yeah. know, it, but it's, I mean, if you haven't found a naturopathic doctor or functional medicine can kind of be similar, I suppose those are MDs that realize that they need to look more deeply at the root cause of things. I just think it can change your life. But I decided that when I graduated, cause I've got this wanderlust in me that I thought I don't want to sign up to work at a hospital. I just didn't want to do that. So I learned how to create a business using the internet. And now I have a full-time telemedicine practice where I help type ones and I've got a pretty good following online. I have a Ted talk that has almost 2 million views now. I've got over 5,000 people on my newsletter list and that's growing every day. My goal is to just get my name out online as much as possible. Uh, People can have a free call with me. And then I explain to them my offerings. If we work privately, I do private calls with patients, but I really want to reach a million people. Like that's so my goal. I really, I'm so acutely aware of what we need. We need better education. We need better support. We need better understanding. And this is universal patients in Australia, patients in Europe, patients in Asia. They're all like, my doctor doesn't get it. I'm like, I know it's okay. I get it. (laughs) And so I just spent the whole past two years making all these videos and I dream that someday it's going to get to a million people because I can't be on the phone with a million people, but I created this monthly membership program where I just give new content every month and all these videos that I made, how to set your phaser rate, how to not go low when you exercise, how to adjust for illness and fat and protein and what supplements to take. And well, what I think
0: it's eat, a one-stop shop for anybody with type one, because like we both know is that when you go to your endocrinologist and I ask about supplements and that I want to, try, or I heard this through another you know, yeah. friend and I want to try this, that and the other. Well, we can't recommend that. We can't endorse that because yeah. it's not <laughs> FDA approved. I'm like, what? You yeah. mean there's no scientific yeah. data that says that vitamin C helps, you know, whatever it is. So I'm really glad to know that you're out there. And, and, you know, we hear often, I want an endocrinologist or someone, my GP or whomever, to live with the disease because they will understand. Yeah. And so you're kind of like a diamond.
2: I'm going to toot my own horn here, but... (laughs) What I provide is life-changing. I'm i the only person in the world that I know that I... I don't know any other naturopathic doctor who has type 1 diabetes who's committed her career to helping type 1s around the world via the internet. I I feel like it's only a matter of time before millions of people find me because I love what I do. I know I'm really good at it. I not only have the depth of knowledge of type one, but I have the breadth of like, well, let's talk about your nutrition and let's talk about your emotional health. And let's talk about your supplements. And what I offer, there's there, I am the kind of doctor I always was looking for. I wanted a counselor. I wanted somebody to just listen to me. I wanted somebody to help me with my sugar levels. I want, you know, and I, I just have never found a doctor like me. And and that's what all my patients tell me too. Like I feel like it's a blessing every time somebody finds me because I, they feel it. I feel it. I do group calls with my patients twice a month. I've been doing them for five years. I have over 105 episodes. And I have patients that have been on every single one of those calls practically for, That's great. for five. I have a great community. You know, I've done annual retreats in Idaho the past three years. And I, I, I don't really like being put on a pedestal, but a lot of my patients, I'm, they call me their guru. And <laughs> I'm like, well, okay. But, you know, I'm just passionately, I'm just so acutely aware of what the help we need. I'm working on trying to get my foot in the door in hospitals so I can you know, license my training videos to hospitals. And I, I don't know, I haven't figured out how to crack the net on getting into hospitals yet. I was working on that before I left the U.S. But well, Let me say you know, something I,
0: really quick because, and yeah. I can't disclose the group and maybe we'll discuss this via email later, but I might be able to help you with that. And oh, that'd be great. The hospitals need someone like you. I yeah. Mean, I, I mean, really. And let me ask Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Since you have so many patients, clients from around the world, can, you can prescribe insulin, correct?
2: No. That's okay. a great question. So everybody needs still their local doc. Everybody okay. needs somebody to order their labs and write there. but I don't care who their local doc is. I don't care if you have an endo. I don't, it doesn't matter. Okay. When I work privately with somebody, I work with them for three months and we have a call every week, a 30 minute call once a week. We will cover, I swear, I've got so many handouts. I want them to master their dosing and their basal rates. And, you know, I become their counselor. I want to know what supplements they're on. I want to know what they I want to know how they're dosing. I want to know what their A1C is and be happy with it. And I'm there for you on all levels of that. That's why I have to call myself a consultant. I don't actually officially become your doctor. It's illegal for me to be your doctor across state lines. not seeing you face to face. So you need whoever it is, your GP, your family doc, whatever you need. You need somebody locally to write your script and then I give you what I feel like is training that you've probably never had. And I've had patients that have had diabetes literally for 50 years. Yeah. And I just had a patient last week say I've never learned that in 50 years. So it doesn't matter to me if they're newly diagnosed, if they're a parent, if they're a newly diagnosed adult, newly diagnosed child. I mean, I have a one-year-old right now which I just like, oh my God, I just want to hug these parents. (laughs) I've got 70-year-olds and... I can help anybody, but yeah, and I can't be your doctor.
0: Well, and I think the good thing too, and we talk about this often in the diabetes community is you're just an, another very valuable tool in our tool belt. I have probably five different doctors that I see are specialists. And so each one of them brings something to the table and you obviously provide a well-rounded experience. And the fact that you even call yourself a counselor, that's what people with diabetes need. <laughs> Is somebody who will just listen when they're pissed or don't understand. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think that yeah. mental health part is probably the most valuable Huge. because they're not getting it anywhere else.
2: Yeah. I love doing it. I really do. You know, a lot of us are like, oh, I don't know why. I just never pre-dose. I don't know why. I always go 250 after I eat. Like, I just this one patient. I don't know why. I just, you know. And we did a piece of work around this. And she started crying. And she uncovered this anger that she had about getting her. She got diagnosed, like, three days before she was supposed to get married. Ugh. And then she went right out. You know, she, like, she literally still got married. She got diagnosed. Then she got married. And she just never processed how angry she was. And I just was like, it looks like you have got. And the anger was coming out like well screw you diabetes i'm just yeah. gonna eat my meal i'm a dose one you know but she didn't realize she was just like dude i don't know what's wrong with me i won't pre-dose and we just uncovered this and then we, i did some work around really helping her with her anger and then she's like oh yeah i pre-dose all the time now you know you need to have somebody skilled to figure out it's not just willpower so many people are like oh i just need more willpower i'm like i have a lot of it but i couldn't stop binging on food because there was such a huge emotional pain that my eating was trying to fix that it wasn't a lack of willpower You know, you can't just say, oh, stop eating, Jody," because I tried that for a decade and it didn't work.
0: Well said. Well said. If you can ramble this off, so you're traveling for 12 months and just know, listeners, this is the program that I was (laughs) talking about in episode 67. That I'm so jealous because I was supposed to be heading out in January. And I really do hope to meet you in person somewhere along this trip. Oh, my God. Tell me what countries you're going to be in over the next year.
2: Okay, yeah, the company's called Remote Year, RemoteYear.com. Amazing. They should um, pay
0: us at this point to say this because I talk about this so much. Go ahead. <laughs>
2: they should. Yeah. Well, we have affiliate links, so if anybody wants to sign that, make sure to get Amber's affiliate link. So. <laughs>
0: Thank you. <laughs> Yes, absolutely.
2: So, yeah, so basically they organize our whole life for us. I'm up in this amazing apartment and then I have a workspace down the street and they organize all these social events for us. So I'm just living my same life. I'm working, um, but I get to work around the world with 30 other people. So this month is split Croatia, which is just gorgeous. This Uh. town is very clean, very modern, very beautiful. If I spoke Croatian, it would be a great place to live. (laughs) (laughs) November is Lisbon, Portugal. Uh. December is Valencia, Spain. Uh, January is Cape Town, South Africa. Mm-hmm. The next four months are Asia. February is Hanoi, Vietnam. March is Bangkok, Thailand. April is Kyoto, Japan. May is Kuala Lumpur. And then the last four months are South America. Santiago, Chile. Lima, Peru. Medellin, Colombia. And Mexico City.
0: I love that you can ramble that. Because obviously you have stared at that. and
2: Yeah. No, I've, met, I've said that a few times.
0: <laughs> so tell... <laughs> tell the listeners like what you plan to do in each of those countries
2: well, I'm going to go to a diabetes center. I'm going to the Croatian Diabetes Center. I think on Thursday. I just want to find out what you know. Uh, first of all, I want to find out how much insulin costs. Yeah. I want to find out do you need a prescription. I want to find out you know what is what is the care for type ones like. Maybe they need, they need my videos. It was unbelievable. I kid you not. I took a ferry out. So there's 1,300 islands off the coast of Croatia,
0: hmm. and
2: I took a ferry out there to just go check out all these beautiful islands. And there is right off the ferry a table of nurses doing free health screenings what? testing blood sugar levels checking their eyes checking their blood pressure yeah they were doing like diabetes screenings off the ferry on this tropical island wow. i took a little video on it it's on my youtube channel Ugh. and they're like oh yeah you know we got to check for type 2 diabetes and i was like <laughs> away
0: that is
2: incredible <laughs> yeah yeah wow. i mean i haven't seen it i haven't seen an overweight person in croatia i mean i haven't seen a single one, to be honest and um everybody's like so fit and healthy the lady's like oh yeah we have type 2 here i'm like okay uh, i mean it, we all know that type 2 can happen Man. regardless of your weight as well so i'm gonna go yeah i'm gonna go to a diabetes center in every country and i'm gonna I have a YouTube channel and my website and, and your blog. Facebook, You're going to blog about it. I'm Instagram, sure. Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. I think it'd be fascinating to find out what it's like in each country.
0: Oh, I cannot wait to hear, especially the, I want to know. Um, I'm, I'm very curious to hear your experience about how much insulin costs, obviously, but also if you can buy it yeah. without a prescription.
2: Yeah. Because you can in Canada.
0: Right. In Mexico, I think,
2: right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll find out. So I did live in Thailand for a year. I got a work visa and I was hired by a company to work there for a year. And I just got, I was under my company's insurance and I just picked up insulin, I think probably for free every month. So that was my experience when I was in Thailand. So I did do that. I didn't, you know, obviously I didn't bring any insulin with me because I knew. Yeah. But um, I don't know what I'm going to come across the next 12 months. So I literally have like 15 pens, of mirror, and 15 pens of Novolog in the fridge right now.
0: You know, I would love if if you if you have time, maybe you shoot me like three or four, or if you can think of anything off the top of your head right now, like three or four serious packing tips for somebody with type one, because I know a lot of people are <laughs> trepidatious traveling overseas, and I've never had that experience. But what would you say are the yeah. biggest tips? Well,
2: always bring extra. You've yeah. got to bring extra. If you're on a pump, always bring needles. Just in
0: case, yeah. Don't
2: depend on your pump. Always bring needles. Always, always, always bring needles. And I frankly, think pumper should always have needles anyways, but just bring extra. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's all I'd worry about.
0: Okay. Did you take any copies of your prescriptions just in case?
2: Yeah, I have two sets Mm -hmm. because I've heard that there's something wonky about bringing all my insulin into Japan. So I have to research that a little bit. I did call, I did call Lily and I said, you know, what is, what is your official statement on if I can put my insulin through the x-ray thing? Right. Uh, they said it was fine even though I don't know, I just don't trust those x-rays and I didn't want to put my insulin through the x-ray when I'm, I've only been on one leg of my trip so far, right? Cause Croatia is my first stop. So yeah. I thought this insulin's going to be traveling with me for a year. Um, Lily's official comment was if it's unopened, it can stay in the fridge, blah, 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 until the you know, expiration date, but it should stay cool 24 hours a day. And so they told me I need to have it in a cooler when I'm on an airplane. And I'm like, okay, I have so much stuff with me to have a cooler. I have 30 pens big enough. We're not talking about one of those little, you know, little cool packs. I'm like, like I'm imagining like some like little, You know, styrofoam cooler that you go to the beach. You know, and I'm like walking. I'm like, I'm not. I'm just not going to do that. So they're like, well, we can't guarantee the insulin will retain its potency if you don't have it cool 24 hours a day. But anyways, I'm not going to go to that extra precaution and and carry a cooler with me when I'm on every flight. But I didn't want to put it through the X-ray. I was like, well this insulin's going to be going through x-ray after x-ray after, x-ray after x-ray after x-ray after x-ray. And I just can't imagine that, that doesn't alter the protein structure in some way. Yeah. I sat there for 20 minutes at the first one. I'm like, I can't put this through. They're like, ma'am, insulin goes through all the time. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to put mine through. Ma'am, ma'am, you know. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm not going to put it through. Like, do you have something that you need to stay alive that you're going to carry <laughs> with you for a year? Like, you're not going to let it go. So he just, you know, rolled his eyes and, you know, let me through. Second one, same thing sat there for probably 30 minutes. She had to call her manager. They had to, you know, they laughed at me they're like, duh, duh, duh. and then the third one, she literally, I don't know. I, I think I just, you know, I've been traveling for 24 hours. You know, I was just exhausted. And she literally just was like, ma'am, you have to put it through. But in that moment, I just was like, I, I just lost it. I was like, you just might've screwed up my life lady, <laughs> you know, like, and I just let her do it. The the thought of this insulin not lasting a year, it was the first moment I just had that thought of like, this insulin might not last me a year. And I can't live without this. Right. It was just this total like moment of like, our life is so precious and we need this little liquid to stay alive. It just really just shook me up for a minute there.
0: The general public may not be aware of that. I mean, there is no if ands, or buts about it. Period.
2: No, and they probably just think, oh, yeah, my grandpa's got insulin, diabetes, you know, if she forgets her shot one day, you know, she gets a little headache or, you know, whatever. And I don't expect them to. I'm not one of those people that gets offended by people's ignorance. It was just, it was a rare moment in me. And like I said, I've been traveling for 24 hours, so I didn't didn't have any even fight in me.
0: (laughs) Maybe a good thing. You might have punched her.
2: Oh, I just, I mean, her arrogance was just like rolling her eyes at me. Like, lady, we do this all the time.
0: Well, before we get off, is there any last piece of advice or any other thing you would like to say before we get off the phone?
2: If you're struggling, I'd love to talk to you. All you have to do is go to my website, click on connect, and you can sign up for a free call. You know, we can talk about what your options are. I just want to help people. If if your A1C isn't near six, below 6.5, like let's get it there let's do this it's possible I want you to have a long healthy life I really hope people are moved to reach out to me I've got my monthly subscription I've got a great community I'm literally going to be up right now it's midnight for me and then I'm leading a webinar at one o'clock and <laughs> then I have my group call with my patients at 2 30 and then I'll be going to bed at 3 30 or 4 today but that's how much I love my patients so
0: well, i and let me just ask you Really quick, with the time change, is that hard on you at all?
2: Well, I don't uh, book myself with eight hours of patients. You know, right now I will only do like three or four patients a day.
0: I'm I'm more for, I'm sorry, your diabetes regimen, because like when I went to France, I think it was an eight hour difference, and that was really hard to like, because I was on Lantus. You know what I mean? Like,
2: oh, that, that. Oh, yeah. I thought you would talk about my work schedule. No, so I'm about eight hours ahead right now, so I did my Levemir, it was either four hours, I did it four hours early mm-hmm. the next day, so I got had a little bit of a low overlap, and then I did it four hours early the next, the following day, and then I was right back on to, you know, Regular my time. Yeah. hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah so I, I help patients with all that but it's it really doesn't have to be that hard like you're either going to go a little bit high or a little bit low depending on if you want to be aggressive or conservative but you, you know your body takes a couple of days to adjust to the the new you know light and dark cycle and that does screw up your basal rate for a few days if you're on a pump you know because our morning dawn coming on spike right you know it's used for a few days so you just have to be ready to be high or low and you know be prepared and And you'll you'll
0: be fine. And I think, again, that's another one of those valuable tools you can offer somebody, you know, living with this disease, fearful of traveling. Like, you've done it. You know what to do. And no offense, because when I traveled internationally, I went to my endo. And was like, hey, listen, I'm going to be across the world, and I don't know how to adjust. Here's a pamphlet. I was like, thank you for that. I'm terrified now.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah.
2: Sorry. Yeah, i mean people don't get it like somebody today to me they're like so what do you do what's your job and i'm like well i help type ones so like oh you like what do you mean you help them because they i'm i'm like there's so much they need help with they're like oh okay and they yeah, they don't even know they're like well, well like what what do, what do they need
0: help with <laughs> so <laughs> like, much there's, yeah let me pull out the list <laughs>
2: <laughs> People are just like, oh, you help them eat better. I'm like, yep, that's, that's just what I do. <laughs> I help them eat better. That's, yep. My well, whole
0: career. <laughs> I love that you can keep a sense of humor about the whole thing because it's <laughs> it's daunting. And, you know, I try to tell myself daily, you got to laugh instead of cry. And yes. cry when you really need to. Don't get me wrong. but <laughs> Yeah.
2: It's just that silent disease, right? You know, all yeah. those, like, memes with, like, how many other thoughts we have going on in our head every day. and. <laughs> That people just don't see, yeah. you know, the guy was looking at me like, I don't get what you help them with. I'm like, well, that's because you don't get how complex the disease <laughs> is. And I'm like, it's a full-time job for us to manage our blood sugar levels. And there's 20 different million variables going on at one time that you have to like juggle and you adjust. And, and so he kind of maybe started guiding it when I said that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's my, 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 la- my closing quote is like, I am here to help people. So anybody that's listening Please go to my website and see what I have to help. Check it out for sure.
0: Listen, thank you so much for taking time. Have fun in Croatia. And I will, like I said, I'm living vicariously through you and we'll be stalking you on all social media. Please put up tons of photos. And like I said, hopefully I will see you somewhere down the road. Absolutely. It'll happen. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Amber. Thank you. Bye. Bye. By the time this episode airs, I bet Jody is probably packing up her diabetes supplies and off to the next country. Her willingness to connect, even if it was in the middle of the night in Croatia, proves her dedication to reach 1 million people living with diabetes. I plan to stay in touch throughout her year-long journey and feel a follow-up episode or two are bound to happen. Who knows? Maybe next time I'll get the privilege of interviewing her in person. A girl can dream. Before I wrap up, I have a few last housekeeping items to keep you informed. Number one, in case you weren't already intrigued by n I know you will be after a few more details. The n app automatically records insulin doses and allows you to easily view insulin, glucose, and carbs over the past 90 days. It also keeps track of active insulin, calculates mealtime and correction doses, and is compatible with both Humalog and Novolog insulin cartridges. To learn more about NPIN, check out Companion Medical or click on the link in the show notes. Number two, the Real Life Diabetes Consulting Group, I know I've mentioned it a couple of times, was created to help bridge the communication and awareness gap between the patient and medical community. The team and the services we provide will soon be highlighted on the Diabetes Daily Grind website, so please stay tuned. If you would like to learn more in the interim, please contact me at amber.com. At diabetesdailygrind.com. I'm happy to answer any questions or provide you with whatever you need. Number three, would you like to help me make a larger impact on the diabetes community? I sure hope so. And have a short list as to how you can get involved. Number one, Patreon subscription. Your subscription will help grow Team DDG, allowing me to create more podcasts and content. Number two, I love meeting new people, so hit me up if you are hosting a conference or event. I'm always down to travel. Number three, co-host a real-life diabetes happy hour in your town. It's a great way to connect with someone else in your area who gets it, and I'm happy to join in. Number four, get involved in the DOC. Unless you've been living under a rock, (laughs) you would know that that stands for the Diabetes Online Community. There are a ton of fellow bloggers and diabetes characters to keep you informed and entertained at the least. So check it out. There are plenty of options. Number, I think it's five, advertise. I'm always looking for solid brands whose product or services help better the lives of people living with diabetes. If that's you, please shoot an email to Penelope at DiabetesDailyGrind.com. Number something, leave an iTunes review. No need for an explanation on that one. <laughs> I love iTunes reviews, and it really does help me up in the rankings. And finally, continue to love, like, and share on social media. And don't forget, you can always send me feedback, ideas, comments, or complaints. I can be reached anytime at amber at diabetesdailygrind.com, and will do my best to get back with everyone in a timely fashion. I think that pretty much wraps it up. I'm sure I've forgotten something, but we'll be sure to include it somewhere else. <laughs> Uh, I hope you and your diabetes have a great rest of the day. Cheers to the highs and lows, everyone.
1: I'm alive. Yes, I'm alive. One minor inconvenience. A little thing called diabetes. is a daily grind. It's a daily grind, grind and grind.